You are now listening to Renewed Mind Revolution Podcast with your host, Michelle Cook-Hall. Please begin to take that good, deep breath as we begin to refresh, recharge, and reset. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Renewed My Revolution Podcast with your host, Michelle Cook-Hall. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be able to share some tips and some tools with you that I know will assist you in becoming a better you. This podcast is designed to help you, to remind you that regardless of where you are in your life, you can start all over again to remind you that regardless of how many mistakes you have made regardless of the choices that you have made that you might not be so proud of that you can always start all over again listen please remember to go on to amazon.com barsandnoble.com and check out the books breaking family size faith versus fear today Today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to first welcome you. And today I want to let you know that we are going to come specifically from the book, Breaking Family Ties. So if you like what you heard today, please and go, go ahead to one of those sites and pick up the book. Pick up the book, Breaking Family Ties. This book is an oldie, but it is a goodie. And I always refer to it for myself and for others that I need to share some information with such as you such as you today today i'm going to be very transparent you guys know that i believe in transparency because i believe that we can help one another as we share our testimonies and we share our stories so it's very important that we share so that someone can hear hey i'm not by myself hey I'm not the only person who has felt that before. Hey, I'm not the only person who is suffering or going through. And that's important. That is so important. Um, I know that uh, more than anything, um, just listening over this week, over some uh, stories and testimonies that I heard um, when I was in one of my classes and just hearing it, it just, I mean, it was, it was so emotional. We never know what people are going through or what they have been through. We look at them from the outside and they seem like they don't have a care in the world. And we make assumptions, we make assumptions. And, um, so it's, it's very important that we share and let someone know, Hey, I've been there. Hey, you can come out of that. Hey, you can, you know, be delivered, set free from that thing. And so today I'm going to uh, obey my own rule and I'm going to be a little transparent as we talk about fear. I like to talk about this because fear seems to be a trigger for so many other things. So when you have an unhealthy amount of fear, you'll see it affect your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health. So I talk about fear a lot. I want to take the uh, the mask. I have a whole chapter called The Unmasking. I like to take the mask off of this. I like to uproot it and remove its power from off of us, right? Um, so how do you do that? You expose it. 
you expose it. Um, so today, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let me start um, talking about something that happened to me uh, October of 2012. So um, yearly, before my sister passed, um, we, you know, we didn't believe in the whole uh, trick-or-treating. We didn't do that. So uh, when we decided we would have a harvest fest, so my sister and I, uh, every year around Halloween, we would plan this family harvest fest for our children, um, my children and my nieces and my, uh, you know, nephew or whoever else wanted to come. We always, you know, plan this and we provide, you know, food and fun and activities and treats and candy and all of the good stuff. We, we enjoy doing it. So back in 2012, <clears throat> I was so excited because I had just um, moved into my own uh, house, and um, but we were celebrating the harvest uh, festival at my at my own home. So I had uh, sent my husband to the store, which um, you know many of us wives will do, pick up some of those last minute items, and my responsibility was to go pick up the kids after I came home from work. And so, um, you know, I was extremely excited about this day. My kids were excited. We loved, we loved our Harvest Fest. We love it. We, it's so much fun for us. And what, what made this even more special, as I stated, we was doing this in my new home. So I was so excited. So um, I had not heard from my husband uh, in a long time that day. Like, I had uh, realized that he should have you know, completed his, his, you know, uh, responsibilities at the store. He should have been home by this time. So I I began to call his cell phone and he didn't answer. So I became extremely nervous when he failed to answer after several attempts. Finally, a police officer answered the phone and told me that my husband was having a seizure in the store and the paramedics was on the scene. Now, immediately, I went straight to denial mode. I said, oh, no, no, not my husband. Because, see, my husband had never had a seizure before. I had been with my husband at this point uh, probably 16 years or so. We've been married. Never, ever, ever had he had a seizure, nor has he ever had this in his history. So he never had one as a child or anything, so... I'm thinking to myself, somebody made a mistake. Somebody had got a hold of my husband's phone. You know, I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. So the officer verified that it was my husband. I was completely floored. From that moment of my life, um, my life had completely changed. And it, it changed for so many reasons. Um, but it, it, it changed because this was something that... Um, completely threw me off guard you know you you you're excited you're you know anticipating a, a good day a great day and you get this news on the other side of this phone that just completely floor you okay so i met my husband at the hospital and i was grateful that you know he was okay but i i couldn't shake this this thought of how and why this happened sometimes us um, needing to hear this why can keep us in a place way too long trying to figure out why 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 my husband had never been diagnosed or ever had a seizure during our 
you know, 15 or 16 years of marriage up to this point. So I dissected every moment that I possibly could leading up to um, the seizure. And after I, you know, it became my, uh, my burden and I carried this burden. Um, eventually my husband, you know, he healed and he returned to himself. He, he, he is as if it never happened. It didn't slow him down that one minute, but for me, I was a different woman. Okay. This is how we take things. This is, um, everybody, uh, deals with things differently. And so you have to be mindful of that, how empathetic we can be some more than others, right? So during this time, I began to feel extremely vulnerable. Um, I began to, to, to think, what if something was to happen to my husband? What would I do? What if it, he has a seizure while driving? What if he has a seizure with me and my kids? You know, how would I respond? What should I do? What, what should be my steps? Um, will he ever be the same person? Will I be the same person? So I wondered if, you know, having a seizure would change his personality or change him or, you know, would it, is it just the beginning of something, you know, worse to, to come? I mean, these were just the thoughts. This is me being transparent. This is me being honest today. These were the thoughts that literally held me captive. The store that my husband had a seizure in became a very vile place for me. To me, it represented um, a dark moment for my husband. And because my husband and I are one, it became an extremely dark place for me. Um, I would literally get sick, physically sick, um, just going into the store. Um, it just seemed really large to me. It seemed almost more like a maze to me getting through this store, I was extremely uncomfortable um, going to this specific store after this happened. Now, what is really ironic about this, my husband had no problem going back and, you know, going back to the store. He had no restrictions. Um, and I had to step back and evaluate the situation. I was behaving as if I was the one who had the seizure. I had opened the door of fear and doubt and forfeited my rights. I didn't apply um, what I knew or what I believe about the situation and found myself in a whirlwind of frustration. Um, and, and, and this is, this is, this is a fact. My husband uh, did not respond uh, the way I did. It was me. It was me. I was the one who, who was, a, who was now afraid. I was the one who was now overwhelmed with fear. I was the one who was now playing a scenario over and over my head, which I didn't even see. I wasn't there when he had his seizure. I could only hear the activities over the phone. But me allowing my my imagination to be used for evil instead of good, I created every negative scenario that I possibly could. Now, instead of me just being grateful that my husband was okay, being grateful that I was able to see him and being grateful that I was able to take him home. I focused more on the, what, what happened? What if this would have happened? What if that, I was more focused on the, what if, and I didn't focus on 
the the praise report. I didn't focus on the the fact that he was okay, that everything, you know, was fine and that he was himself and that he did recognize me and he did know his name. He did know where he was. I mean, I didn't focus on those positive things. I focused on the fact that it did happen. I wish it wouldn't have happened. I didn't understand why it happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? So because I, I did that, I opened up this door. Okay, I opened up this door. Um, I remember when I struggled with depression. Um, I remember feeling very isolated. I knew that if I allowed the enemy to isolate me, he would kill me. Um, slowly drifting into a deeper state of depression with tears in my eyes, I had no strength to even pull myself out of bed. I struggled, people. I struggled. This was the first time that I realized the power and strength of fear. Fear is very paralyzing. I'm talking about uh, uh, a real uh, sickness of fear, a real, real sickness of fear. We're not talking about just afraid of something or, you know, you pause or you hesitate or that natural, natural, uh, you know, position of distancing yourself because something is, um, you know, unusual. Not that, not that pause. I'm talking about real uh, sickness of fear, which all triggered from, you know, what had happened to my husband. So I realized then that fear was, was very paralyzing. According to Wikipedia, fear is a feeling, uh, induced by perceived danger or threat that occurs in certain types of organisms, which causes a change in metabolic and organ functions and ultimately a change in behavior, such as fleeing, hiding or freezing from perceived traumatic events okay traumatic events the <clears throat> fear in human beings may occur in response to a specific stimulus occurring in the present or an anticipation or expectation of a future threat perceived as a risk to a body or life and we know that <clears throat> that is what anxiety is right is that anticipation or expectation of a future threat perceived as a risk to the body or life. The fear response arises from the perception of danger. So that means that's not always uh, something to be afraid of. It's just the perception of danger leading to confrontation with, with or escape from avoiding the threat, also known as the fight or flight response. We hear that a lot. Um, which in extreme cases of fear, horror, or terror can be a freeze response or, or, or someone can become paralyzed. That's why I talk about fear is, is paralyzing. So before I even really understood um, how far this can go, before I understood the definition of it, I felt that. I knew that it was paralyzed. I knew that it can uh, cause you to freeze up. You know, I, I remember this is, it's kind of funny, but <clears throat> if you ever seen the movie, sing a little cartoon and the elephant was, was, was you know, on stage and, and they were saying, you know, sing, sing. And the elephant said, I can't, I can't move. You know, it's a, it's a paralyzing fear, paralyzing fear fear that comes over uh, a person. So, you know, this can be extreme cases where you literally cannot move. 
And so that's how we know anxiety is fueled by fear because it's not even a necessary threat, but it's a perception of a threat. Um, and it's like anticipating a threat, but yet it's like it hasn't even happened. And guess what? May never happen. May never happen. Fear is coupled with anxiety. Okay. It's, it's there. They are a couple. And if I had to say it, I would say that uh, fear is the driver and anxiety is the co-pilot or it, it probably could actually be in the back seat. But I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's on a drive. It's on a passenger side. So there are a couple. Uh, although fear can come on noticeably quickly, anxiety can be very sneaky, very sneaky. And I say that because um, sometimes people won't know what they are what they are experiencing as anxiety. They might not even understand that they are having an anxiety moment or an anxiety attack or a panic attack. They might not really, you know, grasp what's happening because it could come on very sneakily. You could just think that you know you're experiencing some sort of fear. You're nervous, you know, whatever, but it comes on really, you know, sneakily, you know, um, let's, let's, let me continue to, to share, uh, some moments because I want to unmask fear. I want to unmask it. I want to share today so that you too can, um, begin to experience freedom from this and how do we do that we unmask it we we expose the truth in order to run um the fear away um there were some very tough moments and and very tough years uh, in my life um that i was going through between losing loved ones and having you know terminally ill family members and you know my husband dealing with uh his sickness at that time and and other family members dealing with sickness i allow my emotions to get the best of me and i left the door wide open hear me i left the door wide open i felt overwhelmed and sorry for myself later i learned that several generations of my family members had experienced bouts of depression anxiety and fear this was something that i didn't know but when I became honest about some of the things that I was going through, you know, the feelings and the emotions that I was going through, then, you know, people became to be more honest about what, that's why I said, we have to share, we have to share. They began to say, oh yeah, you know, this person had this and this person struggled with this at the time. They didn't know what it was, but that's what it was, you know, and they began to share, they began to share. So at first, um, just to hear that brought me some form of comfort because once again, I felt like, okay, I wasn't the only person, especially in my life and my family. I wasn't the only person to have these experiences and have this, you know, this, this, this type of uh, issue. But then I realized that something was deeper going on. Um, and I just want to throw the scripture out to you very quick. It says, um, first John, uh, 418, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear because fear has a torment. That's why I call fear the captain of torment. If you get the book, you'll see there's a whole chapter on 
the captain of torment. And I talk about fear being the captain of torment because in first John 14, he said, fear hath torment. He that feared is not made perfect in love. So looking at that, um, I realized that, you know, where there is love, you know, there should be no fear. So we, you know, we, we're going to get into that more about how powerful it is to say that love casted out fear. We're going to get into that a little bit more uh, as, as I continue to share, because I think it's very uh, important to understand what does, what that can mean and what that does mean regarding you, regarding me, us thinking about love and understanding how powerful love is powerful love is and it doesn't mean that if you have fear you have no love it's not saying that at all i think it's saying um that if we understood how much we are loved by our creator then we will understand that the things that we're worrying about and that we're fearing about it, it makes no sense because that love covers that love covers our sicknesses our fears it covers our limitations it covers our pain, it covers our our grief, it covers so it covers a multitude of sins, right? It covers so many things that goes on that the mistakes that we made, the choices that we it covers love covers so much. So if you have this perfect love, the only one that can give us this perfect love is, is God, right? And so when we have this perfect love, understanding who we are to him, understand that we are we are loved, right, by him. Then it casts out this this fear of the unknown, fear that will put us into a flight mode, right? So, you know, I'm gonna try to get back onto that because I just really want to get that understanding of the this perfect love that casts out fear. Fear prepares us to react to danger, right? It's like a preparation. I used to call it a um, protection mode. You know, like. It's like your your brain goes into this protection mode of something's coming. I know something is coming. So let me protect myself so I can, so I can brace for it. And I remember um, saying that so many things kept happening around me, coming to my door, happening to me in my life, that I was in a protect, protective mode. Like I was always on guard to the point whereas, and I shared this in a message before, I shared this with my family. That when people would call me, certain people would call me, my first response would be, what's wrong? What's wrong? That's how I would answer the phone. I wouldn't be, hi, how are you doing? What's going on? Good to hear from you. No, my first you know, response would be, what's wrong? Because I was in what? That protective mode. I was living in this fear of something else is going to happen. Something else is coming. Um, once we sense a potential danger, our bodies, our body releases hormones that slow or shut down functions not needed for survival, such as our digest digestive system and sharpen functions that might help us survive, such as eyesight. So hear me when I tell you that, you know, you hear people who have a lot of digestive problems, um, stress. They talk about uh, ulcers, right? Stress and stuff. It affects your digestive system. So the things that we need to um, to to be healthy, you know, our, 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 our functions of our digestive system, these things begin to 
to to shut down. You start having issues with your stomach, um, a lot of digestive problems, um, and then people um, will see something that actually becomes a problem, um, such as uh, your 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 eyesight. It sharpens your eyes and sharpen functions that might help us to survive, such as our eyesight. Okay, so let's continue. Our heart rate increases. Okay, our heart rate increases. If you've never felt that, trust me, it's a very frightening experience. Um, and the, the flows to muscles so we can run faster. Anxiety. Hear me again. Our heart rate increases and blood flows to muscles so we can run faster. This is that fight or flight. Okay. Our body also increases the flow of hormones to an area of the brain known as amygdala to help us focus on the presenting danger and store it in our memory. We gotta be careful what we're allowing to be stored. You know, this this constant being on alert is is going to affect us. It's going to affect you. It's gonna affect me. Um, so there there is something that is going on uh mentally that will begin to affect us physically. Okay. There's something going on with us mentally that is going to affect us physically. So that amygdala uh, is involved in uh, processing of our emotions, such as fear, anger, and pleasure. That's amazing to me. So it's 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 just not the bad things, but it's involved in processing the good and the bad. So fear, anger, and pleasure. The amygdala is also responsible for determining what memories are stored. And where the memories are stored in the brain. So do you have something at the upfront or something in the back? And most of the times, um, it seems that when you're suffering from uh, anxiety or fear, you know, the things that come to you quickly that are stored, all the bad things, all the bad experiences that you had, that supersedes all the good moments. So I've talked about this before. But you could have gone to a place a thousand times and had great experiences. But if you have a bad experience there, then it seems that all those good experiences get pushed in the back. And all the and the fact that this bad experience now supersedes is in the front of all the bad things, right? So we gotta be mindful of that. Um, anxiety and panic attacks occur when environmental or emotional stressors convinces your amygdala that you are in danger let me repeat that let me repeat that anxiety and panic attacks occur when environmental or emotional stressors please know what your stresses are please know what your triggers are sometimes you don't know but you need to be aware of that we need to be aware of that um this this these stressors convinces your amygdala that you're in danger once that figures that you're in danger, your body's going to respond. Your body is going to respond. Let me keep going. According to calmclinic.com, the amygdala's direct and indirect effects on the body are listed such as catalyst. First, there is usually an emotional or environmental trigger, excessive negative thoughts, or something you see, smell, hear, taste, or feel. Note that the trigger can also be inside you. You may not always know exactly what is triggering it. The subconscious mind is a very real thing. 
very real thing. Oh, come on. I know about a smell or a sound or, you know, a feeling and how that can be a trigger. Come on, we if you have not been there, it's 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 really quite amazing how you you're right back. I mean, just the way it is in a pleasurable uh, uh, way. You can hear a song and you can immediately remember that first day, that first kiss that you know, when I was in college, so many songs I listened to because it reminded me of my college days. It was the good days for me. So it reminded me of my college days. I mean, that's just how the brain works, right? So it can do good or bad. I'm always saying that because it's the truth good or bad amygdala reacts the amygdala reacts to the catalyst by preparing you to fight or run away once again that's the fight or flight triggers that are related to emotional past experiences produce stronger reactions in the amygdala which which is also believed to regulate long-term memory storage based on the strength of the emotions based associated excuse me associated with a remembered event okay so it's amazing to me how what's gonna what's gonna stay long term what's gonna stay long term is an emotional experience okay because it has a stronger reaction in the amygdala so that's why you have to be very careful about our emotional health i talk about that so much our emotional health because that lasts yes that's why you can get people who were emotionally abused um, when they were children and they're still fighting those demons in their 50s and 60s and you thinking to yourself wow that was a long time ago but this is something that as you can see and hear it's not something that um, they're necessarily in control of right it's something that is the way that our brains are designed um adrenal action preparation for fight or flight involves release of the adrenal chemical um into the the bloodstream and this is associated with adrenaline and make sure all of our bodies um process speed up um it affects our our blood sugar levels in our body the blood sugar is uh is 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 then available to the muscles and can be converted into a quick energy so that you can do what run so that's the fight or flight um it can uh, cause shaking shaking encourages the blood to reach the extremities and can also be the result of the extra energy in the body um the, the pounding heart have you ever had that oh my goodness it's like really it can be quite painful right um, this pounding heart is when uh, your heart rate is is fast and it sends extra blood to the you know to power the body you know because once again we're in fight or flight something is really going on something is wrong and and what's 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 a problem with this is that if something is not going wrong and you're doing this often imagine what this constant drill is doing to your body if this is not a real you know deal a real problem that you're really experiencing but this is just you know your body responding to the anticipation of something imagine what that is doing to your body on a regular basis it could not be healthy right could not be good for us 
uh, flushing extra blood from the heart that the muscles don't use shows up as a red uh, tinge in the face, neck, and arms. People begin to look uh, what they call flushed. Right? Have you ever looked at someone when they run really uh, fast and then they, you say, oh, you look kind of flushed, right? You look flushed. That's what that means, okay? Um, faster breathing rate. As your heart rate climbs, your lungs have to work faster to make sure the blood circulating in the body is supplied with enough oxygen. So then you're breathing faster. This is how your body's responding. And then this aching chest, your lungs and your heart is working harder than normal which can cause your, your chest to actually physically ache, okay? CalmClinic.com advises that the amygdala is not a thinking part of your brain so much as it is a reacting part of your brain. Hear me again. It's not a thinking part of your brain, but it is the reacting part of your brain. Its role is not to figure out why you're afraid, but to alert you if bad memories support a fight or flight reaction, and if they do, to cause that fight or flight reaction to take place. This explains why when you or a loved one has a traumatic experience, the, the feelings can be triggered by place, smell, or sound. Okay, It can be uh, very difficult when your amygdala has already been triggered to talk yourself out of it. It really can be very difficult to do that. Because as you see, all these experiences is playing a part against you. Um, it's, there's no rationale in your thinking. The response is because other parts believe that there is a danger. So the rationale, once again, it's not the thinking part, right? It's the reacting part. So you trying to rationale the moment can be challenging. Can it be done? Yes. Yes, it can. But can it be challenging? Absolutely. Okay. Um, it has been suggested that a possible way to train your amygdala is through a process called fear exposure. The amygdala can't, can't be trained through logical explanations. Once again, because it's not reasoning, it's not thinking. It must instead be trained through what? Uh, it can't be trained through logical explanation or reasoning. It must be trained through simple repetition. That's why it's called fear exposure. We're going to constantly do this over and over and over again, right? Over and over and over again. So it's, it's done by repetition. Apply and practice speaking, healing, restoration over your body and mind. Don't avoid your triggers, but expose them. Don't avoid them, but expose them. So instead of running from things that make you uncomfortable, instead of running from things that cause you fear, to face them to face them okay so listen I, I really want to talk about fear today I want to talk about some things that I felt that would help you today I didn't want to take up all of your time um, I just want you to re repeat this with me this is a little um, a little uh, rights protecting your rights statement that I created and I want you to repeat this if you have an opportunity to go back and listen to this podcast. Write it down if you want to. This little piece, put it up for yourself. So whenever you feel uh, defeated, whenever you feel that you're feeling overwhelmed by fear, anxiety, or depression, you can open your mouth and, and, and declare this over yourself because it's just speaking life. It's speaking life with authority. Speaking life 
with authority okay so we're going to say this by the authority given by my heavenly father i cancel any and all contracts or deals made with my enemies directly or indirectly all plans for my failure have been canceled i speak life peace and happiness over my life and the lives of my seeds i am not under any curse created by actions of any of my ancestors i'm free and delivered from all past transgressions i do not forfeit any of my god-given rights i claim my inheritance and will complete my assignments and fulfill my purpose amen amen and amen i hope you guys um got something out of this today thank you all who have joined in today i appreciate you um i'm listening i'm looking because this is a live uh podcast today and i'm now having the opportunity to look um at some of the things that you guys are saying and i appreciate you good afternoon to you those who have shared scriptures god bless you and you know when you guys get the opportunity please go back and listen to some of the other podcasts that i know that would also help you and assist you on today thank you so much for listening to renewed mind revolution podcast if this is your first time welcome 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 i am your host michelle Kakal. it has been my honor and it has been my pleasure to come on and share some tips with you today remember to support this podcast remember to go look on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com and then you can listen also with me as we go through some of the books faith versus fear breaking family ties god bless you guys have an outstanding day i love you but god loves you more god bless